Today's show is sponsored by our friends at distilleryproducts.com. They have the best laser etch glassware out there at wholesale prices. If you're a distillery, you're probably already using them, but if you're not, reach out to me. If you're a store or bourbon group, you want to work with distilleryproducts.com. I would be happy to get you in touch with them. Reach out to me. I'll get you in touch with Carson, Janie, Vicky, and all the good folks over at distilleryproducts.com. And you can get the official Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Glen Karen, or the Kenzie Glass at their sister site, premiumbarproducts.com. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at Orca Coolers. It is fall officially this week. But it is dad season year round because if you use code dad season, that is D-A-D-S-E-A-S-O-N, Orca Coolers will take 20% off your whole order. So that's tumblers, coolers, whatever it is you need. You want a gym bottle, you want a bottle to go hiking with, one of those barrel tumblers to have by the fire, or maybe you need a cooler. Go to orcacoolers.com, use code dad season, get 20% off and be the envy of dads everywhere. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at Action247.com, Tennessee's only sports book by Tennesseans for Tennesseans. And if you want to get in on the action, there are so many ways to do it. But first off, if it's your first time, use code DADS100 and they will match up to $400 of your first deposit. Football's going on, so there's a lot of action going on this weekend. There's giveaways. They're giving away tickets, goodies, all sorts of stuff on their social media channels. They are going to give away a contest to win a Nate Diaz glove this week. You got to follow at TN Action 24-7 on all platforms. That is at TN Action 247 on all the platforms. There's guest pickers, live events, and use code DADS100. Zeke, you got anything for tonight? Man, this week's been... um. It's been a little bit tough. I, I'm, I've got one birthday in and one more left to go between the three and the six-year-old. And, you know, I'm just a little wore down, but I think I can get a free pass on that one. I still feel like you're worn down from the interview we had with Jane and Denny from Maker's Mark. Have you recovered from that? For the people that got that episode, I just want to say I'm sorry we had two and a half hours of recording i cut it down as much as i could i got to an hour and 40 minutes and i think that was pretty damn good considering that's one of those things where you know there's just some experiences to where like juices hit you you get pumping and and you know you're getting caught up in a moment and the next day you feel maybe twice as bad it's not even like hangover bad but like oof, i could have used an extra hour or two of sleep but you take it for the team i suppose and let's go chase another one of those experiences tonight My name is John Edwards, and with me as always is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Trick of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Good whiskey, good conversations, that's what we're all about, and we are about to have another one of those experiences tonight. We have Mark Borchetta, or is it Borchetta or Borchetta? Oh, let's so not get into the pronunciation of the last name on this conversation. Uh, it's pronounced several different ways. The family uh, goes by Borchetta, and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm the only one who uses the Italian pronunciation of Borchetta. Everybody else in the family goes by Borchetta. So this is a Borchetta bourbon. <laughs> well, you notice how I kind of went in the middle. And I, I got to say, did. my mother's maiden name is Cascone. Yeah. And if you get some of the family pronunciation, it's Cascone. It yep. technically should be Cascone. But I am yeah. very Italian, so I was very sensitive of the right way to pronounce it. Same here. I'm, I'm very, I, I, since I was 19 years old, I've used Borchetta. But, you know, people don't like eating calzones and they don't like eating bruschetta. So, you know, we kind of go with the flow, right? You know, the thing that gets me is what do you fill a cannoli with? I don't know because I'm not that Italian anymore of eating Italian desserts. So it's not uh, provolone, it's provolone. But ricotta. Ricotta, ricotta, same. You know, like it's it's the people that say, do you have ricotta cheese? I always get made fun of for saying ricotta. Well, and it's parmigiana. It's not parmesan. Never heard of that. But we're now we're off onto several cat topics right now. 
<laughs> and here I thought this was going to be an hour and I was going to be eating dinner by 10. But based on what Zeke just said, this is going to be like a midnight oil thing here going on. And we're never even going to get to bourbon because we're talking about Italian nomenclature. <laughs> this is how it goes. You never know what you're going to get with Dad's Ricky Bourbon. But Mark yeah. Borchetta, is, he is the executive vice president of Big Machine Distillery. Big Machine Distillery, for those of you that don't know, actually came from Big Machine Records. There's Big Machine Label Group. There's Big Machine Distillery. There's actually a Big Machine Racing Team. Let's start right there because your brother Scott started Big Machine Records. How did all of this go? Let's talk about the origins of the name Big Machine and the brand. goes back to my brother in 2005 deciding, or end of four, that he was going to start a record label. We're sitting around a table, I don't know what night it would have been, if it was 2004, the end of, or early 05. And he says, yeah, I'm calling my label group Big Machine Records. And I'd been in advertising for a while with my own ad agency, which was pretty successful, and uh, also involved racing, which we'll get into. I don't want to get to too many side stories at once, because I'll go on to 16 tangents, as a couple of my employees that are on know, uh, that are listening in. And then forget to get back to the original point. Big Machine was started in 2004 or five with my brother deciding he wanted to start his own record label. He says, I'm calling it Big Machine Records. And he shows me a logo of a hot rod race car that reminded me of Odd Rods when we were growing up. And I'm like, well, that's really cool because we're racers from the beginning. I said, hey, all the more power to you with the race car logo for a record label. And uh, he loved it. It was exciting to get out of bed every morning to have a race car as a logo. We've been racing cars since we were 10 years old. We both still race to this day. So the, uh, the only real outlier here is alcohol because racing and music were tied in from day one. So racing, alcohol and music don't go together? Well, they do, but they didn't at the time from a business standpoint. We usually... <laughs> We usually try to put the alcohol into the car before the race, hot fuel, et cetera. We try not to drink before the race uh, because we are very serious racers and safety does not need to be uh, enhanced by any uh, inebriation of the drivers. <laughs> I will change that for you a little bit because it is, you know, the music and, and the racing kind of go together. And then the alcohol is what you use to celebrate after you win the race. We will go with that. And we certainly would enjoy our own fair share of, uh, of spirits post-race, often celebrating wins and championships. We're both pretty good at what we what behind the wheel. And uh, Scott's won some championships. I've won some championships. We've won a lot of races. And uh, we're kind of re both respected drivers. So what are you racing? Well, currently, um, Scott races full-time. Well, not full-time, but he's racing a lot more than I am these days. He's already kind of established the record label, and uh, and so he's enjoying some of the, the fruits of the, there. Um, and he runs a series called SVRA, which is Vintage Racing Series. And uh, he's running old Corvettes and uh, similar type cars, old cup, NASCAR cup cars. And then he's also now racing what's called the Trans Am 2 Series. And uh, he drives a um, Ford Mustang in that. And then I run... Uh, I jump in and out of um, uh, Radicals, which are really fun cars to run, and also Legend cars, which are a blast. These are over-horsepowered, no-grip kind of crazy cars that really teach a lot of the NASCAR drivers when they're younger, and you can race them until you're old like me and still like to get out there and show the kids how it's done. It doesn't matter what age you are, you're still kicking butt on the track. And then how did you all decide to acquire Big Machine Distillery? And then how does Scott then approach you and say he wants you to run it? Yeah. So, um, again, racing and music were at the core of that. As you know, Scott did a great job with Big Machine Records, made it one of the top record labels, independent record labels in the world. It's a great roster from... Tim McGraw to Rascal Flats to Florida Georgia Line, Thomas Rhett, Grant McGilbert, Carly Pierce, Brett Young. I mean, it's, you know, it's a great, great thing that he's built. We would go to races up at Indy for years. We like to call the Speedway our home away from home, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He would be doing up there working with uh, some spirit brands that were involved up there. And he'd say, hey, let's do something with our artists and the spirits. Just never was coming to fruition. 
And some friends of his all of a sudden in 2015, just by chance said, hey, we came across this micro distillery down in Linville, about an hour south of Nashville. We think you should buy it. It's up for sale. And he's like, sweet. I've always wanted one of those. Let's buy it. And so he kind of bought it and uh, did a couple things with it. And I think right in the beginning, he said, hey, come run this. And I'm like, hey, no. <laughs> and um, I was in L.A. doing a lot of independent consulting. I'd had my ad agency. I had been a producer director for years. The thing that tied it in for him is that when I was at film school at USC in Los Angeles years ago, before most of you were born, I was a wine steward at one of the top restaurants in Hollywood. And so I had a really good palate and I had pretty good knowledge. And that was in the early 90s when uh, small batches were just kind of becoming a thing for us out in L.A. Hey, small batch Burton, you know, you've got your blends, you've got your Basil Hayden's, you've got your makers, you know doing some things. And so the bourbons were hitting. So anyway, I, I had a decent amount of knowledge as a, as a consumer. And also as, you know, I, w- I guess, I don't know if you call me a purveyor, but anyway, just uh, selling spirits that we had at the restaurant to high-end clients. And, and I had a decent knowledge there. So he assumed in his mind that that translated actually had to help run a distillery and sell the stuff from a maker supplier standpoint. And I'm like, no, no. And let's stop here for a second because when he bought the distillery, a lot of what they were doing was vodka. At least what you were doing in the beginning was vodka. So did you kind of look at him and be like, what the hell, dude? I have this great palate and you're making me taste vodka. (laughs) That's a good laugh. (laughs) So in the beginning, the distillery was focusing on some brown spirits. And it's the Clayton James whiskey. And um, they were also then doing moonshines, vodka, gin, a little other couple of experimentations. But those were the four core things. So what Scott somehow independently of me decided that the vodka, the, the, the one thing he was going to put the big machine name on was vodka. The distillery was called 10 South Distillery, T-E-N-N South Distillery. And uh, so the only part of it that he branded up was the vodka. He was doing that, and, and I had seen the distillery briefly once in 2015, drove down there, and then went back to L.A. We hadn't talked really about it much. And then in 2017, he asked me to come produce a concert up at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And it was a pretty big concert with chain smokers and major laser, a lot of, of these sort of uh, that genre of music. And it was a great show, and he's like, man, how come we're not working together more a little bit? And, you know, so, well, because we, we haven't, you know, we – we did a lot together when he was starting the label. He went and built that great label. I was raising a son and having a blast in L.A. And um, my son was getting old enough to, to the point where it was kind of easy for me to start to transition back to Nashville. And he said, come help me with this vodka company. So I went back there and uh, kind of talked about what they were doing. And I said, well, you know, try doing a couple of different things. Why don't we market this way and that way? He said, well, that's why I asked you to come get involved because I'm too busy. I can't put my hands on this and let's see what we can do. A way to say the reason I'm running it today, four years, almost to the day, four years later, he had six employees at the time today. I think we have 70. Oh, and it definitely sounds like he's got his hands in a lot of different pots, you know, with the the label itself, with the racing team, helping to bring a Grand Prix to Nashville, everything he's doing. And then you have this background when you say, why is this me? I think advertising alone, a lot of the spirits industry is marketing and you have that advertising experience, regardless of the palette, you know, you were the man for the job. You can't say you weren't like he had this awesome guy right there. He knows who to tap. Oh, keep talking, John. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, I hope you're listening. (laughs) We're almost up for bonus time (laughs) in a year. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to kiss your ass or anything, but it's like if you're at the point where you're a consultant and I was a tech consultant, if you're at the point where you're a consultant and people are seeking out your services, you're pretty damn good at what you do. So looking at this stuff and and seeing the different labels that were out there that's the hardest thing in the beginning all you got to do is figure out the industry that you're in because everything is kind of applicable from one thing to it the principles are the same but the other 
thing that you have to figure out is how do I apply this to spirits? So how did you figure that out and apply it to spirits? You obviously know business very well because of what you just said. And to this day, people say about your spirits industry, knowledge, da, da, da. I said, I'm a marketer and I always have been. And I just happen to be marketing spirits right now. When I started the ad agency, one of the first big things I did is I saw a a little girl, 19-year-old girl running around Long Beach Grand Prix in a Toyota Celica beating Tommy Kendall, Sarah Fisher, uh, I forget who else was in that race. And I'm going, wow, this little girl can drive. And not only that, she's walking Tommy Kendall around the pits on a dog leash because of a bet they had. She beat him, pick up the phone the next morning, literally true story. And I called IndyCar and said, who's this Danica girl and how do I find her? And they (laughs) said, well, I think Bobby Rahal just signed her. I said, oh, I know Bob. Let me give Bobby a call. And so I called him up and said, hey, you remember me? He's oh, yeah, sure. I said, do you just sign this little Danica girl? And he goes, yeah. And I said, do you have money? What are you going to do? He goes, well, no, she's got her and Skip Barber now. I said, so you're going to go Atlantic's racing, which was at the time kind of an indie light series. He said, uh, yeah, I'm going Atlantic's. I said, do you have money? He goes, no. I said, give me some video materials. I said, I'm going to get you all your money to get her racing. And, uh, and I did. Within about three months, um, I had all the money for him to fund her going up through IndyCar. And what I said to him is I said, she'll save IndyCar because if you're a race fan, you know you would know that in 95, the series was split in two, attendance was way down and people were confused whom to follow, which series to follow. You know, I'm a marketer. I'm like, yeah, I've been racing cars since I was 10. Our first race was, you know, California 500 in Los Angeles back in 1970, 71. And we, all of our heroes were AJ Foyt, Alan Lentz, Rick Mears, all these guys. I said, all right, this this little girl, she'll, she'll bring put IndyCar back on the map. And it was a marketing thing. So, and what my brother does when he gets to, uh, you know, into his music, he's like, he's a marketer. He made a very smart signing very early on. Things rocked. He's built it up as a marketer. So I guess to your point, yeah, he saw that I was also a marketer. And um, so the first thing I did is I said, you guys have too many products. And uh, he had a, a general manager at the time was running. And I said, so what do you do? He said, well, we're doing this Taste of Nashville this coming Friday night. And I said, okay, great. What do you give these people? You know, what's the deal? How are you marketing? He goes, well, we give them samples of our products. I said, okay, and then what? And he's that we tell them about what it is. I said, okay, let's assume you're first, fresh in. First thing they see is 10 South Distillery, Big Machine Vodka, Clayton James Whiskey, Apple Pie Moonshine, Blackberry Moonshine, Abernathy Gin, Barrel Age Gin. I said, by the time they get to this side of the table, they're drunk. I said, then they got 25 more tables to go to, and you didn't even put anything in their hands or in their pocket. So they wake up with the headache the next morning. And they go, wow, that was fun. And who's this 10 South? Oh, yeah, they were first. I like that. So I said, look, here." and then they told me, I said, well, tell me a little about the product, the vodka for sure. And they said, well, your brother bought and funded for us to build a platinum filter for our vodka. And they said, and we distill it 25 times and we run it through this platinum filter. And I looked at him blankly and I said, I can blind taste 61 Bordeaux's and I'll tell you which one is the Palmer, uh, which one is your La Mission Brion, which one's your Lafitte. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about when you say platinum filtered and 25 times distilled. So he told me about it. And then there was a lot of other stuff they were marketing. And I said, okay, we need to simplify everything. All the other spirits go on the back burner. The product that you're going to market is the big machine vodka. And you're going to say it's 25 times distilled, platinum filter. And I said, now tell me, why do people care about any of that? I said, do they think that you think the consumer cares that you work hard? They don't. The consumer wants something affordable or something's going to get them drunk. And if they're an aficionado, they want it to taste good. I said, so here's doing this. 25 times distilled, platinum filter, the smoothest tasting vodka, period. We'll get kicked out of the water with that slogan after three months, but whatever. Just see how long it goes. Four years later, several awards later, that is still our slogan. Big Machine Vodka, 25 times still, platinum filtered, the smoothest tasting vodka, period. It's funny because for the whiskey side of it, I'll just tell you, don't use smooth as a, a tasting note for your whiskey. And the whiskey folk really care about authenticity. You know, so if it's sourced, say it's sourced. If it's distilled there, say it's distilled there as many facts about it as you can and that is for you know, really the core 
like I, I say that I said this on the last show and I'm sorry for saying it again. People that listen to the podcast or people that are on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook talking about bourbon, that's the 1%, right? The 99%, they're going to go to the store, they're going to buy it. If they like it, they drink it. If not, they don't. But the, that other side of it, the hardcore people want to know everything. And that is the number one thing about whiskey drinkers that can annoy the hell out of distilleries is we want to know every little detail. Like, what's your mash bill? What's your fermentation like? What's the char of your barrel? What's the toast of your barrel? I mean, we have, it's death by a thousand questions whenever the whiskey folk come around. So just... If you haven't experienced that yet, which I'm sure you have, you've been there long enough, but we are annoying and I apologize on behalf of whiskey drinkers everywhere. I love you whiskey drinkers and I will tell you about my progression now because as I said, the reason I would tell you why I could pick out the 61 Bordeaux blind taste. I could tell you I had the 1947 Cheval Blanc, excuse me, 1949 Cheval Blanc, my favorite wines ever, 1847 Chateau de Camp. But with vodka, it's marketing. Okay. And it's a platinum filter and it's a very expensive filter that I've marketed to make this a very uh, successful vodka. At the whole time, there was a little bit of questions with some people in the distillery. Why aren't we pushing the whiskey? Why aren't we pushing the whiskey? I said, because it's an overcrowded market, even more than vodka. You've got a lot of people out there that are experts in whiskey. And we don't have enough whiskey to supply if we hit. We're a small distillery. You know, I've got, I'm not going to tell you how many barrels because I'm sure that's somehow some proprietary info. But we don't have, we're not that big to supply the country with whiskey. I said, when we have a story, we're going to release a whiskey at a bigger level or at a, just at a more impactful level because it's still marketing. And I don't care if it's marketing because I'm going to tell you we're we're a char four and we're toasting in this fashion or that we're that somehow we're going out of the two big suppliers of barrels into some other type of barrel that we're going to be working with. And, you know, how our LCP for our Tennessee whiskey, you know, we've tweaked it or not. What I am going to say is that if we're going to do a, a whiskey, it's going to have impact. And I waited until we had a story to tell. And all of a sudden I'm on your podcast after selling out of my allocation in two hours. It's not bad. I think it was a damn good looking bottle with the, That's exactly the story you know, with the race car on top. I mean, tell us about Borchetta bourbon and I'm going to yeah. use your brother's pronunciation, but it's Borchetta it bourbon, is. right? It is. It is technically, this is Borchetta bourbon. Yes, I am Mark Borchetta, as you pointed out. My brother's stop Borchetta. My dad's Mike Borchetta. My sister's Angela. My mom's Sherry. <laughs> a lot of Borchettas. The fact that I'm a holdout of how I pronounce my name, this is a Borchetta family bourbon. And so it's all, it's an homage to the Borchetta family. My grandpa coming over in 1906 on a boat, not finding his relatives, sleeping on a park bench and working in a sweater factory. And, uh, you know, then building a delicatessen in the Boston Post, on the Boston Post Road in Connecticut. The Borchetta bourbon came about, it's something we had talked about, about a um, year and a half ago with uh, one of my general manager, um, who is a young lady who did an internship at Makers and is a bourbon fanatic. You know, we're, we're producing some bourbons that I really liked. We've, we're experimenting with some red corn, blue corn, white corn, open pollinated corn, you know, non-GMO stuff. And there were some things that I was tasting in the white dog going, hmm, this stuff is showing promise at its core. I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. So then what happened is, because we're about racing, we're about music, and the last six years about alcohol, we were getting ready for this race. And somebody said, hey, we found a photo of indie cars here in Tennessee at the Nashville Fair, at the Tennessee State Fairgrounds here in Nashville. Indie cars raced there in 2011. And here's the photo. Looked it up looks authentic didn't have to drink much bourbon to be convinced that hey this is a real legit photo we said that's also the first year of the indy 500 my brother said let's do a bourbon and i'm on the other end of the phone going sure why not i'm doing vodka juice pouches which had just been invited into walmart countrywide after after eight months or seven months and uh, great and now i'm going to make a bourbon too uh, plus, we have our tasting rooms here in Nashville, which are very successful. I gave this to my designer, and I was a designer for years. And I said, David, I got nothing here, but don't hold back. My brother has a saying he likes to use in the record label, start it crazy, and let's work backwards from there. You know, I didn't use that terminology, but we're on the same way. It's like, we just just talk about the crazy, how amazing would this be if we could? 
And then let's say, let's find out if we can't. And if there's not enough no's, let's go for it. So I owe the, my brother and I both owe this design to David, uh, David Miller, my designer. And he came back with this bottle and, you know, obviously had some influence from Blanton's. That's okay. I'm not, you know, hey, we're honoring them in that. Great with your horses. And my dad's probably disappointed we didn't put a horse on here. Instead, we put a race car because he's owned thoroughbred racehorses since before we were born. But this, I fell in love with this, sent it over to my brother. I said, bingo. He goes, oh my God, this is amazing. He said, but what are we putting in it? I said, we've got barrels untapped right now, going back to eight years old. I said, I'm going to taste every one of these barrels to make sure we have quality product to go in. So I told that I tasted 50 or so barrels and I picked about a dozen or so that would go in here. And we decided this is all going to be single barrel, cask strength, numbered bottles from the numbered barrel. And I sure as heck hope people like it because I, I'm self-aggrandized about my palate. Um, I think it's a good palate. And the cool thing is that reinforces one thing is at least I'm consistent because there's a barrel here that I said, I'm getting rose petals on the nose. And they're like, oh boy, he's had too much to drink. Do you want to say star fruit or to your earlier takeoff dragon fruit? And thank God you didn't ask me to growl or roar when we started this. Um, but I said, yeah, I'm, I'm getting rose petals on the nose here. And actually in, it's even coming through on the, on the finish. We've got the, the char four that we're doing this on. So that we've got that rich smokiness, but some of these are coming through more subtle. Like a week later or so, or two weeks, whatever it was, I went back, I said, please tell me this is barrel. And I'm not gonna say which one, cause I'll get it wrong. And people are gonna go look for that particular bottle. Um, and I said, tell me this is the rose petal notes. And they go, no, no, it was that one. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, looked at the notes and they said, crap, you're right. This is one of the rose petals. So I have a consistent palate. I take a lot of pride in the fact that I did taste every barrel. And I'll say right here openly, if somebody doesn't like what they're tasting and want to sit and taste with me all day long, love to share with you, love to talk about it and, um, and tell you what I get out of it. And let's see what you get out of it. But I handpicked these. They've got them ranked. This is your favorite barrel. This is your second favorite barrel. This is and they're numbered down. And my most cherished barrel, which also is pretty dang good, but it wasn't my top. They came up and they said, all right, we want to know what to do with the 150 proof barrel that you chose. And I'm like, what? Oh, no, 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 no. I did not do that. Don't tell me I chose 150 proof barrel. And he said, yeah, you kind of did. And I'm like, oh, God, what was I drinking that day and how far into the tasting was I? They brought up a sample and he said, it's 148.8. I said, don't tell me which one it is. I said, blind taste me on two of these right now. Give me some water there's not 148.8 proof here. And they said, yeah, actually it is. Sorry to say it smooth. No, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't hit like 148.8 proof. And it was turned out to be, a, I think it was an eight year old, 15 gallon. It had like about four gallons left, a little bit, whatever it was, we got, I think 15 bottles or 16 bottles out of it. The, the whole allocation is sitting on my desk and I'm trying to decide what I'm gonna do with those 15 bottles. You know, we're available. If you just so I was going to ask, I mean, if it was a typical 53 gallon barrel, that would be looking at an allocation that was about 2,400 bottles. But there were different barrel sizes. Were they all 15s? Were they? It was a um, look. You got to remember, this was a scrappy little distillery. They were storing barrels wherever they could, buying what they could afford until my brother took it over. So it's like, hey, what's over, you know, in that little shed over there? Oh, we got some bourbon barrels over there, you know, or we got some Tennessee whiskey that we LCP'd, you know. And uh, there's a 15, there's a there's a 53 over there, you know, there's a 25 over here, whatever it was. Hey, I think that one's like 30.6 gallons, you know. But anyway, um, there was a mix, and I didn't know the size, and now... Um, we're getting into one of my favorite projects that we're getting ready to do for our for our next release, and I won't yet divulge when or what that will be. But we'll do, we did some red corn that I loved as a white dog, and um, I tasted some of that and actually sent you over a sample. I hope that's what you're drinking, Zeke. That's doing um, some really great stuff, and I'm tasting this, and I'm going, wait a minute, I see barrel numbers that are side by side. I said, but this is a, this is a 15, and that's 53, and here's why I'm saying that, and they're like, yep, you're right, that's 53 right there, and that's a 15 you tasted next to it. 
you know, I'm, I'm seeing the differences in how they're aging and what characteristics they're taking on. And, and I'm having a blast. So I have to assume that the first release of the bourbon, it was all different mash bills, all different barrels, because y'all were just acquiring whiskey however you could, right? Not acquiring whiskey, but making it how we could. Oh, Every okay. barrel, everything that you taste, everything we release, we've made. This, these were these whiskeys were made in our ten, in our big machine distillery down in Linville. I was just wanted to clarify that. So now you're just kind of determining you have the base, your your attention is kind of focusing towards whiskey more. So you're figuring out what works best for your distillery now, like what barrels work best, what mash is going to work best, the ingredients that you're going to mix up together, the grains, figuring out how long you want to age it for. Because I assume Clayton James stays the same. It is now the LTOs and the other things that you're putting out are where you're going to kind of tinker a little bit. Okay, so one of the things that uh, Chief Distiller Clay Cutler has done is almost always stuck with 741313 mash bill. It's a weeded bourbon, so it's it's a little softer mouthfeel, um, or a little however people want to describe that different mouthfeel, softer, fuller, rounder. These are all 73 uh, that 741313 on that. Different yeast strains that we're working with, different corns that we're working with. They're all corn base, uh, obviously with the, with the bourbon. And same with our Tennessee whiskey, which is really what we do. He's done some 100% corn experiments as well. Yeah, everything you're tasting here is pretty consistently that mash bill. And it's char four. Sorry, I just to make sure I didn't miss something. Oh, my God, Zeke's alive. I, I was just going to say, where'd that voice come from? Hey, I've been writing and thinking a lot. You the, know, funny, you know the funny thing is, Zeke, I said to him, now we are 35 minutes into this podcast. And I said to Mark, before you got on, I said, Zeke's not going to talk for 30 minutes. And then right around the 30th minute, he's going to jump in. So welcome to the podcast, Zeke Baker. You know, there's just some cars that it takes a little while to build up to speed. But once they get going, you know, they're a beast. Um, So what we're tasting, sorry, I just want to make sure I'm on the same page for that. This is a unreleased younger make. Or the eight-year make that came out for the race. What you're actually tasting, we are. What came out for the race was five to five to eight years. What you're tasting there, I believe I'll get it wrong, but I think it's a three and a half year uh, red corn bourbon, which is what I'm focusing for our next release because we barreled, we bottled everything we had mm-hmm. right now. And I love you guys. We had just met you, but I wasn't going to give you one of my bottles for you. <laughs> <laughs> hate to say that (laughs) but um so yeah what you're tasting is my pet project for next year so if you don't like it do not air this podcast do not kill it before it comes out uh but i love the notes that you get in the in the red corn it's i i i love the the characteristics that come through in that no you 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 just got 10 times style points and as bad as it may sound to people i'm sure every bourbon um you know fan connoisseur or whatever thinks the same way like hold on who's coming over tonight no 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 honey hide those damn bottles we're not going for them get that shit out of here right now no no like uh uh-uh get the other ones the other ones that i said they're in the other cabinet put those out brown who cares (laughs) that's exactly what these people will think hide the good stuff no, like honesty is by far, uh, it, it goes further than anything. I, I, I have a whole new admiration for this right now. <laughs> but Mark, what I will add on to what Doc Hudson had to say over there is that we actually tell brands, don't send us a full bottle. Like some brands want you to get the bottle because they want the picture on social media. And yeah. we're like, we have enough bottles. Just send us two ounces. We'll split it between the two of us. We just want to have... Right a conversation i don't need to take one of your bottles from you so next time we'll bring some stuff we'll get together in person we'll bring some stuff you can try that you probably haven't had you can bring some stuff we haven't tried and we'll have a good night we don't even need to record it so mark just to make sure we're on the same page 
the the samples we have is this the the le eight year that came out for the races or a a newer and somewhat younger whiskey product you you've actually been much more instrumental in developing ah so zeke is bragging about how he can recognize a young spirit versus a an age spirit now <laughs> um yeah so what we did is um everything that i had i prepared i bottled so we didn't have a sample to send you over. And as I started to say, as much as I love my new friends, uh, Zeke and John, I was, you know, you, you haven't yet earned a free bottle of the Borchetta bourbon. And uh, so what I did send you is a project uh, and a product from a project that I'm very fond of. Um, last few years, we started doing red corn bourbon that I just, I love it. The white dog just showed really unique fruit and touch of sweetness that, uh, I'm really in love with what uh, I think Zeke has noticed is like, Hey, you're talking about five to seven, eight year, you know, uh, bourbon in the Borchetta bourbon. This doesn't have quite all those notes yet. And it's true. It doesn't. What you're drinking, I think is like three, three and a half years. It's something I love. And that's what I'm focusing on for probably our, our next release next year, which will decide what that's going to be. And if it's going to be around racing again. Is it always going to be Borchetta bourbon and then it might have a different theme every year? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, the Borchetta bourbon is going to be something that we've decided to do as an homage to our family. And whether it stays racing or goes music or uh, in another direction, we'll let you know. Mark's already proven his um, ability to market things. and, And I don't think he would need much input from us on that or subjective feedback, but the fact you're working with corn varietals and, and things of that nature, that's what piques my interest more than anything, just to be you know, purely honest and candid. Yeah. We've talked to a few places um, you know, over time, both you know, somewhat locally, Kentucky and even out in Texas, that really tried to push the envelope. And at some point, we even had you know a one-year corn product I thought was purely amazing for knowing what it was, especially – yeah. And I, I I think with that, you're heading to where you want to be as far as innovation mm-hmm. and trying to stay ahead of the curve, especially as a newer young brand. Yeah. You obviously have to push the envelope, find something a little different to where, yeah, we're still under the umbrella of this product, but you're not going to taste or get what we offer because if you wanted that, you would just keep buying what the hell you've been buying for the past 5, 10, 20 years. Agreed. And, and I appreciate hearing that from you because, again, I wouldn't release any of our brown spirits until I had a story that I thought was worthwhile. This story landed in our laps and um, we wrapped it around a bourbon. And I'm unapologetic that we marketed a bourbon that people, I'm sorry, they paid $300 a bottle for. We sold it out in two hours in the market. The two, we only released it in two markets very limited. And, um, and yes, I think the juice is good. Am I going to sit at the table and pretend I'm one of the top brown spirits connoisseurs in the country? No, I'll sit with any one of them and argue why this is what I did and that I'm very confident in what we did and we'll do it again. I think you just have to go through the family and each borchetta gets their story on a, like, so there's a theme for each release. So one might be racing and that's kind of Scott or you. And then the next one is something that kind of like has horses that represent your father. Then you got to get one that represents your sister and you can kind of go through and tell a story about the family with every release. And then once you get to the end of that, it's like, well, crap, we need something new. I'll take that under advisement then. Even though uh, my brother and I are both racers at heart and we still race to this day, uh, the one extra nuance I have, I guess, would be, I guess we could do the next one about Iron Man. I mean, (laughs) I don't know, Iron Man races. (laughs) Bigger question is, before we move on, and Zeke has another question, who wins in a race with you and your brother? Uh, (laughs) He and I talked about that earlier today. I said it always comes up. Um, We've been racing against each other since we were 10 years old, and nobody's tallied up. We both have our own record of championships, race wins. And in this day and age, we're so fond of each other and what we're doing. We don't choose to compete on the track. We don't want that because it's it's you're out for blood when you're out racing. You know, I mean, I won races this year. He's won races this year and uh, we're a team. So I, I avoid the answer. <laughs> 
John hasn't gone against me in the 40-yard dash in five-plus years. You haven't gone against me in the weight room or the boxing ring or any other place where I would destroy you. I don't like smoothies. I think you all ought to do that, like the Rolex 24 or something like that together where you could be on the same team. That's a great comment you just made. And that's something that, you know, we've talked about. It's like at some point, you know, we'll do that and we'll just we'll put our own team together and and do it as brothers probably. But uh, right now he is rightfully so enjoying a lot of success that he worked very hard to achieve with the label. Um, I'm building this right now and I'm a little too busy to really put the time in. Like I said, we went from six or so employees to somewhere around 70 in like three years. I got my hands full and, um, you know, again, some of the, hopefully some of the, the, of your true aficionado, you know, listeners out there will appreciate what we've done here and will respect that. But at the same time, on the other hand, you know, like I said, we've got vodka juice pouches that are traveling the country right now into Walmarts and, and liquor stores and the sales have been off the charts. And so that's what I'm building. That will fund the racing. The, the bourbon's not likely to fund the racing anytime soon. The music funds the racing. My my other stuff has funded my racing. And uh, right now I need to focus on this and, and feed the mouths of those amazing people that work for me that uh, that, that are building this. You know, as funny as it, it sounds to most people, I'm sure, and as real as that is, I, I think it also gives you a, a great opportunity in the sense of, you know, when John and I you know, kind of you know, look or I wouldn't say evaluate, but hypothetically think about if we had a craft and what we were going to do with it, you've got to have white spirits that you can turn quickly to get the cash flow to make everything else operate and to have even a chance at the ability to branch out and do innovation and and the fact that you already have that it's established and it's growing i think that's a a wonderful you know segue or avenue into this the fact that hey we have this machine no pun intended that's rolling keep that rolling at the same time we know we're going to keep the lights on we, we know these things are going to happen and you've also discovered corn varietals as well which I think is a, a, a great place to be in the sense of let's experiment, let's see what happens and, and develop a unique product that we know is not going to make money right now. You know, we don't have to make money on it right now. Let's not stress on it. Let, let's take the time and kind of give it the love and nurture, so to speak, that it needs. And then in three, four, how many every years, we can release it and say, we made a damn good bourbon. I think that's one of the best compliments of the night is to recognize the only way you can pursue your art. You have two choices how you pursue your art. You can live in poverty and pursue your art. And hey, that's just what you choose. Or you can live well while you pursue your art. And that's what we choose. And not everybody has that luxury. We are so grateful every day we work, we wake up and, you know, my brother and I will talk on occasion just go, man, you know, we grew up in pretty tough neighborhoods. We've got that story, you know, it's like a lot of people and uh, grew up on the streets in a lot of ways and running from gangs in, uh, you know, Southern California on the streets. And uh, we look back and go, man, we're, we're very fortunate. We've worked and there's, there's a lot of nights that, you know, before COVID, my brother's office and mine were two adjacent buildings on music row a lot of times 10 o'clock at night you see two cars in the parking lot and they were his and mine to this day we both still work very very hard at this and uh, we care a lot about our people we don't take this responsibility lightly to feed those mouths and that's just not this isn't field of dreams just because you build it doesn't mean they're going to come you've got to provide something that people will come after and purchase and like i say you know time will tell how people ultimately respond to the juice here we're not trying to say we made the best juice in the world, but I think we have some pretty damn good juice that is worthy of what we put out. And uh, we love the story that we put around it. You've got a story on the back label. You've got a story on the inside of the box. You've got a story on the outside of the box. It's an homage to racing and our family's love of racing, our family's love of music, and our family's love of spirits. I think anybody who thinks that this stuff is Clayton James in a fancier bottle is, and and I only say that because I had seen that somewhere in talking to you, that's not the case at all. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I mean, you know, to have our first release come out and again, there were late nights and middays and mornings 
when I'm taking photos of like, you know, 15 glasses on my table, palettes burnt, I can't taste anymore. We really put what we have in the way of talent, capability, financial strength into this with our hearts. Our hearts went into this, hearts went into making this and uh, the juice before we knew what it was going to be. The heart went into putting into a package that we felt honored it. And guys, our first bourbon and I'm on, I'm on the dads who drinking bourbon podcast. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> so with this, uh, the, the three ish year product you've got, uh, I want to make sure we at least talked about it because you were kind enough to provide us with a sample, especially for something unreleased. Some simple notes that I, I came up with. The nose, very fresh, was wettish corn to begin with. That kind of came off, I think, with the ethanol a little bit. And from there, it really went into like a nougat or like a chocolate caramel cornish type product. Definitely uh, reasons. First thing I thought of, just because I ate a lot of those as a kid. Any, anything that's corn forward, I, I immediately just have to go to some kind of candy type product because I think olfactory drives us all or you know for better or worse like you just know what you loved or didn't love as a kid and you i whoever will be damned if anyone tells us that was or wasn't the best thing ever whatever your favorite was you know palette wise i mean i thought it it was very similar as far as uh almost like kind of you know curtains matching the drapes thing there was some warmth at first again a, a corn ford product not saying it's a bad thing just that's what you get and from there it really went into a, a chewy nougat with caramel behind it, even some dark chocolate notes that the only thing I would throw out to me that seemed different. And again, because in the world of candy as a kid, I never liked candy corns. People do, and that's fine, but it's never been my jam. This wasn't candy corn. It was different in the sense of corn, sweet, and chocolate behind, but it's not that. I don't know. I think the nougat makes it different somehow. That's what I pick up. Even for a young product, I thought the finish, I just wrote damn caramel tacky in the sense of it just kind of stuck to the tongue. It wasn't like it just embodied this amazing amount of caramel flavor, but it was more uh, a chemical property or texture sense that it just kind of stuck there. Like that's unique to me. I'll pick up unique properties and try and point those out more than anything else. So I totally get the chocolate, the nougat, and all that stuff you're saying. I think you're missing out on the vanilla. I think there's a big vanillin aspect of this. The The other thing I would say, too, yes, there's youth. I mean, he flat out told us this is three-and-a-half-year whiskey. I think this really is going to mellow out over the next year as well, but it's not even at this point now. Mark, what proof is this one? My guess is that was at about 118. Yeah, this does not taste like a 118 at all. I would say it's very fruity as well. There's a lot of fruit along with that dark chocolate that I love. The thing that I love about the palate on this is it really sticks to the roof of your mouth. So as it goes through, I'm getting a lot up there and then it doesn't burn. At 118 proof, there's not burn. There's there's just kind of that red corn Really, you can tell on the nose. The first thing, I know I'm jumping all around. These are the most ADD notes you're ever going to get. But the second I, I put my nose up to this, it's like, yeah, this, if it was highlights for children and you're like, which whiskey is not like the others, you're like, oh, it's that one. And it's unique. And that's what I've always loved about the red corn. I mean, I think, Zeke, the one that we had from Texas that was one years old, it was crazy. It was like, you could put this out right now. What cracked me up the most, and I almost feel like we, we kind of got button hooked on what used to be one of our you know, biggest premises was we used to love doing blind tastings, and that, that was kind of you know a stick for a while. We still love and, doing blind tastings. We well, just don't we have do, time. We, yeah, we, we don't get there. But So when we got this sample, I, I, at least I assume John was in the same premise as me, we, we thought it was the race car bourbon. And so, you know, I have a nip, move on and come back to it later. And as we're progressing through this show earlier, I'm kind of still tasting it. I'm just like, man, for an eight-year product, this just doesn't seem where I want it to be. Like, I'm not complaining about it, but that whole mind warp of this just isn't eight years. Hold on, Mark. Can I just jump in here for a second? In typical Zeke Baker fashion, he does not listen to me. So the truth of the matter is your very, very talented team told me that this was not 
the bruschetta bourbon, that this was something else. And the instruction was actually, Mark will tell you what it is tonight. I immediately went from your offices today and I met Zeke close to where he works because he couldn't make it to downtown Nashville. I handed him the box and I said, hey, there's a sample in it. I don't know what the sample is, but we will find out what it is tonight. And in typical Zeke fashion, he did not listen to me. Hey, I love the fact that he blinded us and at least blinded me without even knowing it. Because again, I, I don't know of a better moment we've had in forever to where it's like, all right, this is what I'm getting. It doesn't match at all what I thought I was tasting. Then it comes full circle. Like, oh shit. Like it makes perfect sense. Like everything is the, the world got realigned again in like a 10 minute window. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, so honored by listening to your guys' uh, notes here on this because, uh, like I said, I tasted the white dog a few years ago and I was like, this is my favorite thing that we're going to be developing. Keep pursuing it. And again, I owe it to Clay, our, our chief distiller, because he's the one who experimented with these. And um, this just stuck out. And when uh, and Cameron takes all my notes, so that's what I'm saying. I don't know, maybe I guess um, because she pretty much runs my world and I go into the office and say, Hey, what did I think of this? And she's got, she's just funny. She says, Oh, you really don't want to know what you said, but on, you know, September 13th, you know, 2020 at three 45, we were at the tavern and it was a full moon on a Thursday or something. And she said, and you said blank, 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 blank. So that when I, and I believe that a pretty confident she'll pull out the notes on this and say, I smelled this and went, this is the red corn. I know this nose. I know this characteristic, the fruitiness, the, I, I, I probably say candy fruit, butterscotch towards the vanilla. And that's blending your vanilla and your, you know, some of your caramel corn notes that, that I would interpret that as. And I'm just such a fan of this product to hear you guys who live this stuff, pull out some of those same tasting notes. And uh, I haven't heard you say you hate it. So that's pretty damn good. I'm in heaven. I love this. It's, this is such a great way to be able to talk the art of distilling and, and uh, creating bourbon. Do you have the ability and, and even the desire to start pushing the envelope, experimenting with different corn varietals? That is a, a major aspect of where I think whiskey is going to be in the next five to 10 years. Yes, there's the staples that everyone loves. And there's also tons of people that see investment opportunities, financials, et cetera. But you got to differentiate yourself. You, you can't put out Jim Beam or Heaven Hill and have to start from the ground up and sell it for $30 more and then wonder why nobody's buying your product. Right. And price regardless, like it's just not going to work. And what I like about it is when I feel like so many distilleries are just leaning on finishing, like, oh, we don't have anything else to do. Well, let's get some wine and you have a wine background. So that's the easy, that's the low hanging fruit. Like, let me just go get some wine. Let me go reach out to some vineyards and get some barrels. But it's like, what's different than everybody else? Everybody's toasting right now. They're doing a, a finish for toasting. They're doing a finish in wine, you know, honey and stuff like that brandy but you're going someplace else that people haven't gone i mean or a couple people have gone and that's what i think like everything is so homogenized how can you actually be an innovator rather than and a disruptor rather than uh just go along with the status flow like okay well what makes big machine different what makes borchetta bourbon different they're gonna try some cool shit the other thing i would say is uh there's no bourbon we hate there's some we like better than others we do love all sorts of whiskey we would tell you if we thought eh I see where you're going here. Um, we'd say it in a very nice way if we didn't like it. Like, it's really piqued our interest. We would love to taste it along the way with you. So I'm just offering right now, it doesn't have to be public, but if you say like, hey, y'all try an ounce of this and tell me if you think we're still on the right path. We're friends now. We do that from time to time. So you, you know we're in town. Let me interrupt just to remind you, I know we haven't touched on it much here, but I'm a marketer. If we do something, it's public. I want people to know. Let's build the and the people who are listening. Either there's the 10% are just listening because for whatever reason they don't like you and they want to criticize, or there's the 70% that are listening because they're fans of you too. They love what you did. I mean, I see this dad's drinking bourbon. I'm like, hey, 
let's reach out to these guys, see if they'll bring us on. We've got this crazy, unique thing that we've marketed. I believe in this juice 100%. That I'm not going to say that I'm smart enough to know or, or ver- versed enough to know that it's where it stands in the world of juice, but I will stand behind it. It's solid. And uh, the fact that you guys had us on tonight is amazing. And my brother is very sorry he couldn't make it, but I know he's going to love what's being said. Our chief distiller is going to love what's being said. And uh, yeah, man, we're, we're friends. I love it. We'll share. I was going to say, so on a personal note then, just because I always wonder these things and no one's going to see these the, the visuals here, but you are sitting in front of your home bar, I assume. What's your go-to bar? And, and you don't have to include anything that you guys make. Just Wait, you said what's his go-to bar? Well, that is his go-to bar. I mean, I mean, go-to drink. He's sitting yeah. in front of his home bar. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I knew where he was going. Thanks for correcting him because I know that's why you're there is to keep the contract. <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, my ex bought me this King County Distillery bottled in bond because, of course, you know, that's a new catch phrase, right? I love this crap. I shouldn't call it crap. I love it. It's a straight bourbon whiskey, 50% alcohol by volume. It's a 375 that she bought me. And she just said, Hey, you know, I know what you guys are doing these days. She and I are still great friends. And uh, we talk about everything. And she said, I want you to try this. I love this. And I got to try to find it, find some more of it. That's out of New York. And they do a lot of good stuff. They, they write a lot of books. Actually, there's a great book written by them called dead distillers. And it's all okay. about, uh, distillers over time there's a ton of good stuff here in tennessee if you're looking for some new stuff like i'm a big fan of chattanooga zeke isn't as much because it kind of tastes beer but they experiment in malts they do a whole lot of stuff with malts uh love jack daniels barrel proof and all the other different things that jack is starting to put out with the tennessee tasters i think they're innovating like crazy alex castle down at old dominic is doing good stuff all the people here in nashville you know your your nelsons your corsairs your nashville craft leapers fork there is a ton of great stuff in tennessee i am glad that we are now talking more about 10 south and big machine the bigger question i have for you is now that you guys have a whiskey and now that you're doing all this stuff are we gonna see you at grains and grits in november i'm pretty sure and cameron can text her way in but i'm pretty sure we did agree to go to grains and grits yes we do it every year so yes i hope you go because i will just tell you it is the best event and i'm saying you personally because it is the best event in all of whiskey and i say this because it is the whole weekend it's being in the mountains it's everybody in tennessee coming together that's the pigeon forge or gatlinburg one it's townsend so it's the peaceful side of the smokies it's not where all the the tourists are the it's the last turn before you actually get into the great smoky mountain national park is where everybody stays i just hiked there four weeks ago or three weeks ago and uh it was first time in the smokies and loved it and then went into gatlinburg and never seen it i'm like let's just not even talk about it (laughs) yeah townsend is a million times better everybody stays at little arrow what i love at grains and grits is you have all the different distilleries that are there and they're hanging out but each cabin and tiny home has a campfire so that friday night everybody is just going from campfire to campfire hanging out getting to know each other and it kind of helps to make tennessee that family that not every state has well i'll have to see if uh cameron just said yes that we we have two people already going sharon who is my amazing rock star salesperson and uh another and then uh so i don't know i'll have to see if that can be on my schedule to join in the in the uh festivities zeke hasn't been yet but i call it adult summer camp <laughs> nice I'm working on it. Um, also, before we wrap, we've got to give a big shout out to uh, one of your reps, Aaron Thompson. He, he's always taking wonderful care of us. I, I know he was instrumental in setting all this up. And if we didn't give him his, his props, I would feel very bad. Well, thank you for bringing up Aaron. Uh, he's worked for us as a brand ambassador part time for a couple of years. Hit me up, I guess, at one point, Sharon said, hey, you know, we really should talk to Aaron. He wants to work for you. And when all of a sudden, you know, he's probably, you know, bittersweet that he's now full time for me, traveling Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky. And, um, you know, so it's probably bittersweet, but because uh, he's selling 
vodka juice pouches, spiked coolers from Big Machine. I'm giving my plug, but he's a great guy. And uh, he and Sharon are the core of right now with our sales. And uh, we're thrilled to have him on board. And I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. No, he's wonderful, honestly. Like, if we didn't say something, I, I would punch myself later. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. So where are you all located right now as far as distribution of, we know the vodka is probably bigger than the whiskey, but where can people get the whiskey? Well, so when I did this, yeah, remember we've, we've been doing the Clayton James, you know, and that's really mostly a Tennessee product there where it's marketed. We didn't know. I mean, like how many, how many bottles should we make? How many cases should we make? It's like, well, maybe 200 cases max, you know, we don't know if it's going to sell and it costs a ton to make this bottle. I'm like, wait, what? Our cost of goods is double what half the whiskeys on the market sell for retail. I mean, we're going to take a bath on this. And we're very, very fortunate to be in a position where we can we could take a risk and it didn't really matter one way or another. Financially, we're grateful for that because there are people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into this. And my hat is off to them because this is hard. So what I did is I said, all right, we're just going to have to make it exclusive. And I talked to distributors and they talked me price points and they want this price point and that price point. And I said, we're just going to make it exclusive. We're going to do 200 cases tops and we're only going to make it available in Nashville and in Indiana. That's it for the racing. So it's only available in Tennessee and in Indiana. Now, is this something especially, I mean, we know Clayton James is there. I don't want to, to downsell that, but this is something though that it's going to be a process. So for everybody listening, I mean, they're just figuring out what next year's release is. It might be plastic cars instead of a metal car on the topper for next year. He might have to find a way to cut some costs, but this is something that is going to slowly build up. It's not like next year, all of a sudden you're going to be like, all right, we're a 30,000 case brand. This is something that is going to build over time. And if you want to follow a brand in that journey, this is a great one to follow. Well, thank you for saying that. And since you brought up plastic cars, I will, maybe we're ending and I would like to end it on this note. If so, one of the things I said to my brother, I said, we're going to make one bottle each of a solid gold top and a solid platinum top. And we're going to put it up for charity. We're going to auction it off and all those proceeds will go to that charity. And that will be a very, very expensive bottle, very expensive, and might even go into six figures for the platinum. And so those will be the, and then we will affidavit out. They will never be a second bottle made of, with a gold Marmon Wasp, 1911 car winning car on top. There will be only that one solid gold and that one solid platinum, and it's all going to go to charity. That's amazing. Wonderful. And I'm also glad that I can see you have the whiskey bug. So as much as you market everything else and, and the financials look great, you're going to keep tinkering. I can just tell it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to things. Well, you guys have embraced me as a marketer, uh, coming on as a marketer into this. And uh, look, everything I do is art-based if I can. I've been a designer for years, always doing my own art on the side. The wine, I actually planted grapes um, in Southern California on a ranch that I had uh, back in the late 90s. I was going to make some wine, have made beer. And uh, to hear you guys who live this uh, compliment our team at that level is Truly, this made this meet this evening really great. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. What I will say is, you know, there's such an authenticity in whiskey. And you can tell, even though you're a marketer, you could tell when somebody's saying something just to sell a bottle or whether or not they really love what they're doing. And it's easy to see that you love what you're doing and you're already experimenting in different varietals. And like we'd sit here, it would it would just be blatantly obvious, right? If you're like, hey, we wanted to make money, we had these barrels lying around, we put them in a cool looking bottle. It's like, it is that attention to detail that you wanted a story, but you just didn't want a story that's just going to sell bottles. You wanted the right story. And if and it guys, wasn't there, you were like, we're not putting it out. Think of the risk we took. If people are opening this and I heard you said, somebody just said, hey, CJ in a bottle. Okay, it is what it is. You're going to get the haters and or the unappreciators. We took a huge risk because we went so loud with this message and this bottle at $300 a bottle. My distributors, they didn't want it. I will tell you flat out. 
And I said, okay, fine. Don't take it. I'll sell out of my tasting room. They said, all right, we'll take, I don't know, 10 cases, 20 cases. I said, no, take 50 cases or nothing. And I go, that's a big investment. I said, I'll buy it back. They called me and said, um, we sold out in two hours today. And then I have to realize the noise is bigger. If the people on your blogs, the people listening tonight, I, I hope that we would have already heard from them. You guys are imposters. You don't belong here. Go away. I hope we would have already heard that because instead it's like, at least they're giving us a chance and you guys coming on and tasting what we're doing and listening, you're helping. And uh, it warms my heart. You guys are awesome. It's amazing when you bet on yourself, right? You know what? We take a lot of risks. My brother bet everything to start that record label. I bet everything to start my ad agency, you know, and, uh, and if sometimes we feel like we're starting over every day from scratch and with this distillery, it wasn't a huge risk financially for him to do this. It, I, I blended into it slowly. It wasn't like I just packed up and left LA, but this was still a risk. And because of everything we built so far, this was a big risk to say, pouch idiots, what the heck are they doing in our brown spirit space? And I'm sure there's some who are out there and I respect you guys. You live this, you know, it is what it is, but Hey, I got two super cool dads drinking bourbon who are saying, welcome to the whiskey world. We're in heaven. And I love those. I think you need to get Zeke in one of those spiked crop top shirts. So they have like these neon pink crop top shirts, Zeke. I will end on this note. So it is well, anybody who has listened to dad's drinking bourbon knows that Zeke has an ex-girlfriend's sweatpants like for from a very 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 long time ago that he thinks are the most comfortable pants he owns also went to jack daniels and bought a woman's pullover he's known to wear that so i think he needs the spiked crop top shirt while he's hanging around the house done and done comfort is king Cameron will be getting two of those you're gonna have to wear one too john nobody wants to see my I'm going to do the truffle shuffle. <laughs> well, listen, guys, you guys are great. And, and really, thanks for, for this welcome into this, into this industry and this world of super particular people and uh, just honored. Now, th- thank you, literally, in uh, a fair sense for just kind of uh, throwing us back to what it's about, like tasting it, then finding out what it is, then getting the story. Like, this was fun on a lot of levels, honestly. Thank you so much for coming on. It has been a pleasure talking to you. We can't wait to have you on again. We're going to have to hang out in person and share some pours sometime. We're all too close to each other not to. And uh, the folks can find Big Machine. They have three tasting rooms. They have the original one in Linville. They have one in Berry Hill. And then they have one in downtown Nashville. You can find the dads on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Find us wherever you download your podcast. You already have because you're listening to us right now. But you know what really helps us? Leave us an open and honest review just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Please follow Big Machine Distillery, Big Machine Vodka. Borchetta Bourbon does not have social media yet, but once it does, I think it it doesn't. I I just did a quick look, but when it does, you're going to have to start following that. Mark, thank you so much again. Thank you guys. It was again an honor. And we do have a website though, borchettabourbon.com, so they can do that. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Good old Music City, USA. Cheers. Ciao.